Can you picture it? It's 2028, and the Carolina Panthers are on top of the world. The Queen City is king, and Bryce Young at last is a Super Bowl champion. He never gave up, but did you? And he's in! Was your breaking point a Thursday night loss to the Bears? It wasn't Eddie Pinero's. He's no good! Despite missing a game-tying kick, he kept pounding, as did the rest of the team. The story isn't over yet. Can't you see it? Even at 1-8, Carolina head coach Frank Wright can. Everything we want is in front of us. The Panthers are still in the game. The question is, are you? Hello, how are you? Good Sunday to you. Well, no Sunday scaries for the Carolina Panthers. The black and blue off this weekend after suffering a loss to the Chicago Bears this week on Thursday Night Football. We will get into all of that and more tonight as we welcome you into Charlotte Sports Live. I'm Grace Grill alongside Michael Seth tonight. And we will do it all with pinpoint accuracy, as you just saw there. there that was not an error. That was deliberate. Hornets back in action against the Knicks, trying for their first win streak of the season. Plus, we have interviews with Panther players Tommy Tremble and Raheem Blackshear. But first, let's recap all the action from the game. And as the Beatles would say, we'll do it with a little help from our friends. That's right, guys. I know we don't want to talk about the loss to the Chicago Bears on Thursday night, but we are going to break it down a little bit more right now. We've got Gabe McDonald right here. Yeah, we got the 10-year NFL vet Al Wallace always joining us, of course, Al. Not the best performance, but still a few positives that we could possibly take from it. You can always find the highlights in, in any football game. The Panthers have to get better. They understand that, and you got to watch it and dissect it and get it corrected. Yeah, speaking of the highlights, let's go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off and get right into the highlights from Thursday night. Bryce Young and the Panthers looking to add another win, of course, going up against the guy that they traded to get QB1 and DJ Moore. We start on fourth and three. The Bears on their own 21, and they got a punt. But Amir Smith-Marset, he has been trying for one of these all season long since they added him to the roster. Back to return makes a nice move to get free. And this is what you want to see on special teams, Al. Yeah, you want a guy that's not afraid to catch it with people storming down the field, hit it straight up there, make a couple of guys miss. And I like the Hezzy at the end making the kicker <laughs> drop to the ground. Yeah, good to see him bounce back, of course, and just have that big play. That's what we need from special teams to be able to create that winning edge. So we're going to move now to the third quarter, 10-9 lead with the Panthers. And we have another former member of the black and blue in the Bears orange running back, Deontay Foreman. Second and goal, running right through the contact and finding the end zone. That put them on top 16 to 10, and now that's definitely something that we're missing here in Carolina, that power yeah. running. You're missing that bruiser, the downhill runner. Don't care if two or three guys take a shot at me, I'm not going to be denied in getting to the end zone, putting the ball across for six. Yeah, fourth quarter now. Panthers, good drive comes to a halt, but Eddie Pinheiro going to nail the 39-yard field goal. He was 2 of 2 for the night, and the Panthers trailed by three, but that would not be the case right here. Yeah, then we have another chance, 140 here on the clock, a 59-yard attempt in the Chicago cold in the wind. Pinheiro trying to go three for three, but he would come up just short, and that would end up being your ball game. The Bears knee it out, and they get it done on Thursday night football. 16-13 to 13 over the Panthers last week. The Panthers are now 1-8 on the season after that loss in the Windy City. We've got to be able to protect better. We've got to be able to run the ball better. Every, every, everybody across the board has got to be better including myself. I got to be better. I got to be a lot better. I got to be a lot better. It's not enough. It's not good enough. When you got a rookie quarterback, defense is going to throw something at you that you haven't seen. And 
uh, they're going to try to pressure and, and, and create movements and create create those things. And so we got to take onus of that up front and make it just not a question. It's just executing. We're not executing on game day. Um, we all can look ourselves in the mirror. Me personally, you know, look yourself in the mirror and try to get better, and um, that's all you can do. Um, but we're just not executing um, all 11 at the same time, and that's why this is the greatest game there is because it takes all 11 on each given play to have success, and we got to find a way to to figure that out. We don't do everything we do all week and all year to, to, to come and lose, so that is definitely uh, takes a toll, and it's definitely frustrating. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's not. You know, it's definitely frustrating, man. I, you know, but like I said, you know, we're grown men. Ain't nobody going to come feel sorry for us. Ain't nobody going to come save us. We just got to do everything we do better. Taking a look at the final numbers from Thursday night, 170 passing yards for Carolina. Bryce Young was put to the ground, sacked three times for 15 yards. Another poor game on the ground, game two as well. 43 rushing yards. The Bears had 133. Just 12 first downs for Carolina compared to 21 for Chicago. And again, the Panthers have dealt with many losses before, but this one you hear from the players, you hear it in their voice, Al, and, and this one just meant a little bit more, maybe because of prime time. Yeah, everybody's watching, all your peers, everybody around the country, football fans, so difficult for the Panthers to go out and not execute on a Thursday night when all eyes are on you. So it's tough, and you hear the disappointment, and the guys are trying to find some answers, and they don't have any right now. And when you look at the past couple of weeks, of course, going back to the Colts game, you know, those two pick sixes really were the difference in the game because the defense only gave up 13 points. And then another performance like this, you're afraid of the divide in the locker room. How do you see these guys being able to keep things together? Because it seems like the defense is coming to play every week. The offense still can't figure it out. Yeah, I've been in a lot of locker rooms, Gabe, and I've never seen it happen. So they're going to stick together. They're going to lift each other up. They're all in this. That record, 1-8, is on all of their names. So it's uh, one of those things that people often worry about. But I think this locker room and the players are stronger than that. They just have to figure out a way to win. Where's your biggest concern right now? Is it the offensive line? Is it Bryce Young? Is it, I mean, where where's your head at right now? It's the offensive line because going into this season, dropping in a number one overall pick rookie quarterback, I thought that was a strength of this team, and that would lead to a good running game and better protection for Bryce Young. So it's been disappointing that four of the five returning starters just haven't been able to get it together and play like we saw at the end of the season last year. A lot of that may have to do with scheme. And if you look at, you know, the defensive side of the ball, just, you know, still coming to play every week. Obviously, Frankie Louvo and Derrick Brown, you know what you're going to get out of them. But the secondary played relatively well. You had Dante Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle as well. Just, you know, for a unit like that to be able to help out the defensive line, you know, what's that, what can that do for them as far as a positive coming from that game? Yeah, it was great to see, especially missing Brian Burns. And without that pass rush being able to be generated – uh, up front, you need the secondary to lock down receivers, to play good, to have that short mentality, get back out there, even when you give up a big play, to line up the next snap and compete at a high level. Especially after a Thursday night's loss, everybody is kind of wondering, at least fans are, is who's safe, whether it's the roster, the front office, the coaching staff, kind of how do you assess where, where the front office might make some moves? Yeah, there's three people that are safe down there in that building. One is the owner, David Tepper. <laughs> the other two is your number one overall pick quarterback in Bryce Young. And I believe it's Derek Brown on the defense, not Brian Burns, that's safe. You look at Brown, the way he's performed this year, the way he performed on Thursday night, he is dominant at yeah. his position. He's playing like a grown man. Yeah, good things to note as we head into the game with the Cowboys guys. And we are going to be talking a little bit more about that game next Sunday coming up in a little bit. All right, thank you so much, Carla. Brandon Miller hasn't been with the Hornets all that long, but he has already ran the gamut of the true modern-day experience of being part of the team. 
He's been good, he's been bad, and as of today, he's also been hurt. This afternoon, the Hornets rookie came out firing in his first ever game at the Garden. First quarter, Miller taking it right to the Knicks with the and one. After falling behind 7-0, Charlotte had it tied up at 13. Miller today, 5-6 for 11 points. This was, by the way, his last basket. Hurt his ankle later in the quarter on this play. Tried to pay through the pain before bowing out for good in the second. He is listed as day-to-day. Second quarter, Hornets losing their grip in this one. LaMelo trying to do his part to keep his team in it. He scored 32 points, also grabbed seven boards to go along with six assists. However, his solid effort was offset by Charlotte's turnovers. What was their inability to guard anybody? Third quarter, that was Julius Randle going through the defense. He had 23. Only Nick to do him better was R.J. Barrett, who had 24. Nick shot 54% from the field, including 41% from downtown. They finished with a season high in points as New York shuts down the Hornets 129-107. You know, right now we don't have any room for error. And, uh, you know, we've got to play really, really well. I, I thought we did a lot of good things. Um, we're asking a lot out of a, out of a few guys, obviously. And it's going to be hard right now until we get guys back. And the guys he's talking about, Terry Rozier, who yeah. is uh, dealing with an injury, and then, of course, Miles Bridges, who does have a court hearing tomorrow. Uh, so, And he is scheduled to come back as of Friday. That'll be after the Nick game on Tuesday. That's 10 games, game number 11 against the Bucks. So that's good news if he's able to come back. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that looks with him coming back and how, how they adjust because they're so used to playing – Without him right now, that does does having that big presence in there make much of a difference? And the way Mark Williams has been struggling, does that maybe help him out, take a little pressure off him, and just help him kind of reset here early in the season a little bit? The the word is out. This team cannot defend the three-point shot. I mean, we, no. we, we saw it against the Wizards last week. We're seeing it against the Knicks now. Guys are rotating the ball. They're getting it to open shots in the perimeter, and they're taking advantage. And, and that's problematic, and I don't know what they're going to have to do to figure that out because now teams are going to look to exploit it every time out. This is modern NBA. Everybody shoots the three. Well, I mean, and guys just need to learn to play defense. I mean, you can't, you can't just be the offense and then not play the other side of the ball. There's, there's two halves to a court. And, yeah, you talk about, okay, yeah, we're missing Cody Martin, and he's your defensive guy. I, I kind of like the idea of uh, Leaky Black getting a little bit more minutes in there. I mean, that, that's, an, first that's an all. Yeah. yeah, but on the defensive side of the ball, that he was an all ACC defensive, two-time defensive player of the year. Not that that exactly translates into the NBA, but, I mean, just something to get a little spark on that side of the ball would be, would be nice. But also they got to be more consistent on offense as well, obviously losing – Miller, the, the efficiency from that guy as a rookie has just been fantastic. But, I mean, P.J. and Gordon, they got to be – they got to step it up and be more consistent. Well, some scary news about a former Hornet who is recovering tonight from an off-the-court injury that sent him to the hospital. Sixers guard Kelly Oubre Jr. was hit by a car last night. He was taken to a hospital and was released hours later. He suffered a broken rib in the incident. The car that hit him fled the scene. Oubre obviously did not play in today's game against the Pacers and could miss significant time. The team plans to reevaluate his injury uh, in, in a week and go from there. I think it's a blessing that I get to play every day. I'm living my dream, and so when I see stuff, when I see Adam Thielen make a crazy catch, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, that's baller, bro. You're helping the team. Like, it's fun to see that stuff. We can talk all day about what the Panthers need on the field, but Tommy Tremble is already providing something the team needs off of it. We go one-on-one -on -one with the Carolina tight end coming up.
Now we know where the Panthers stand going into week 11, but what about the other NFC's team, NFC South teams? We're going to start with the Saints next. But we could not go any further into the show without acknowledging our veterans this weekend. Yeah, huge thank you to our military men and women. Later in the show, we got a story that will connect them with a member of the Panthers. That is coming up. CSL returns. You heard it earlier, Adam Thielen was mad about Thursday's performance. However, through it all, he achieved yet another milestone. With six catches in Chicago, he now becomes just the fifth undrafted wideout with 600 career receptions in the common draft era. This year alone, he has been the entire Carolina offense. That is not an exaggeration. 68 receptions, 652 yards, and four touchdowns. By the way, Grace, those numbers lead the NFC South and his 68 receptions third most in the league. Yeah, well, speaking of the NFC South, that's where we turn our attention to right now. The Saints lead led the division coming in today at five and four. And today they were facing Thielen's former team in the Minnesota Vikings, who came into this game on a four game win streak. Joshua Dobbs making his home debut in Minnesota today. There he is against the Saints and, and nothing like winning over the hearts of Vikings fans than uh, this kind of playmaking ability. 15 on his feet. He's still looking for a target before he just says, you know what, I'm just going to take it myself. But was it a touchdown? What do you think? No. Yeah, yes, sir. Oh. Air okay. Joshua, maybe? Vikings led 24-3 at the half. So we're in the third quarter. Saints in trouble. Derek Carr completes the pass to Chris Olave for the first down, but he goes down in the process. Crunch. Takes a really rough hit, and that would end his day. So it's Jamie Winston in for Carr. First and 10, Winston sets back and fires it to the back of the end zone, and it is caught by one Chris Olave for the touchdown. But this was the Josh Dobbs show today. 23 of 34 for 268 yards. Vikings now winners of five straight, Mike. After starting the year by winning three of four, the Bucks had lost four straight going into today's game with the Titans. Baker Mayfield getting things back on track today in Florida. Second quarter of the pass to Rashad Whitehu. Programs his personal GPS to the end zone. The route guidance has started. 43-yard trip. Tampa up 7-3. Third quarter, now it's 10-3. Bucks more from Baker. This time finds Mike Evans for a 22-yard touchdown. Mayfield 18-29, 278 yards. Did have one pick, but his two scores were the difference. Tampa takes it by the final of 20-6. And meanwhile, the Falcons facing Kyler Murray in his first game back since tearing his ACL last year. Second quarter, Taylor Heineke hands it off to Bajan Robinson, and he goes to the outside for a five-yard score. Atlanta up 14-6. The Cardinals at the six with 14 seconds left. Kyler Murray, touchdown. Cardinals will go for two but couldn't convert, so they still trail 14-12. Yeah, another quarterback down in this one. Taylor Heineke shaken up in the fourth quarter, so Desmond Ritter, there he is. He checks in. Falcons down five with under three to play. How about this? Ritter's going to take it in himself. Touchdown Falcons. However, this one ends in a walk-off field goal. Cardinals win it 25-23. So many big plays in the high school football regular season, but according to you, this was the best. Chancellor Bryant won our top play vote with this tough catch against Marvin Ridge in a game back in September. Chancellor is a senior at Ardry Kell. He joins us in the studio right now. Chancellor, first of all, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Awesome, awesome. Now, what does it mean for you to win this popular vote? Because people out there voted this the best play of the year. Yes, sir. Um, you know, it means a lot. Um, I just want to thank everybody for uh, voting for me. Um, 
Just want to shout out to my quarterback for that throw, too. So. Yeah, that was a throw on the money. Now, what I want you to do is sort of take me through that play a little bit. Take me through that catch. I mean, I'll give you the football here. We don't have to really <laughs> act this out fully, but, I mean, how were you able to hang on to that football going down, twisting your body one way? What's, what's the secret here? Is there a secret? Um, no, there's no secret, <laughs> just um, concentration. Um, you know, I worked, I worked uh, over the summer you know, just concentrating on the football, um, making sure that my hands are good. Now, you were you were saying, I said, you play one, you said which one. So that begs me to think that you had other ones that were either just as good or better this year, am I right? Uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, always. So what's the plan now? You're a senior, you four years varsity. What's the plan going forward after, well, now the season's over, but moving forward, going into college? Yes, sir. Um, the plan is to, um, like I said, major in business. Um, I want to go play at the next level. Um, yeah, have you got and, a place yet, or are you still looking here? Uh, still looking. Uh, tell yourself, tell coach. yourself. Coaches, yeah, if you're coaches. out there, you got a guy that makes over-the-shoulder, falling-down <laughs> catches, go sell yourself real quick. Why yeah. should they pick you? Um, you know, student-athlete. Um, you know, I just keep my head in the game. Um, I love football with all my life. You know, I, any place you need me to play on the team, I got. I, I could do it. Um, you know, receiver, DB. And he's a natural on TV, too. Chancellor, <laughs> thank you so much for your thank time. You. Congratulations on winning the Blitz Top Play. Well, congratulations to him. And straight ahead, the Panthers need some good vibes and a lot of them. Luckily, they have a player on their team that fills that role off the field. We go one-on-one -on -one with Tommy Tremble next. I'm calling it Clarkonomics because uh, that's what I think she's done. That's the impact of one player on this community and in our game. ESPN announcer Debbie Antonelli hitting the nail on the head where Iowa's Caitlin Clark goes, people follow. Man, did they come out in full force Thursday at the Spectrum Center. More than 15,000 fans were on hand to watch the Hawkeyes battle Virginia Tech in the first ever Ally tip-off. The event set a new in-state record Attendance-wise for Romans College basketball regular season game, Clark scored 44 in the win. Staying with women's college basketball, a massive upset in Raleigh today. Number two, or no, at NC State hosting number two UConn this afternoon. And the Wolfpack weren't being good hosts, beating the Huskies 92-81. It's the first time since 2016 NC State has beaten a top five opponent while being unranked themselves. On top of that, it's the first time they've beaten UConn in 25 years. That's a huge win. All right, more college hoops moving to the men's side. The 19th-ranked Tar Heels cruising through their early slate of games, playing Lehigh at home today. First half, Tar Heels playing up-tempo. Cormac Ryan feeds inside Armando Baycott. Goes in strong, gets his own rebound, and he makes it count. Gives the Tar Heels a five-point lead. So the Tar Heels today, they scored 17 points in transition. This is going to be R.J. Davis. Brian's going to feed him again. R.J. Davis, bang. Mike his Green third over here. three of the game on his way to 22 points. He'd feed it too. Davis again here in the second half. Feeds Harrison Ingram on the perimeter. Gives a look, but's going to take it inside. Ingram floater, good. Good game for him too with 14 points. Not a better day than uh, Armando Baycott, however. 22-20 double-double for the big man, North Carolina. Wins easily, 90-68 over Lehigh. That was your best Mike Green right there. Gonna go bang! Can you give me one? 
You're not going to do it. All right, fine. Back you know the, better not to put me on the back spot. Back to the black and blue. And I'll say it's hard to stay positive when you start a season 1-8 like the Panthers have. That's why you need a hype man in that locker room. Grace. Yeah, well, enter Tommy Tremble, the tight end, whose positivity is quite infectious. And he uh, shared some of those good vibes in an exclusive interview today with our Gabe McDonald. We have Panthers third year tight end Tommy Trimble joining us this week. First off, I got to go back to Miami, that play. Mm -hmm. When you hurdled the defender, did you know you had that in you? Where did that come from? Hey, man, I think uh, going in that week, I felt good about it um, and surprised myself a little bit. Uh, didn't know I got that high up, but it was, uh, it was a fun play. We had a pretty good first uh, quarter in that game, so that was really fun. And then so far this season, obviously, there's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of changes coming in. Just assess where the team is right now and some of the main things you guys want to figure out as you approach the back half of the season. I think really just staying together. I think a lot of times people, when they get in situations that's kind of in the down end, they want to try to do something extra, try to uh, almost in that kind of try to help the team by doing something more. But I think the best thing you can do is just your job. And I think um, if we just stick to what the coaches are telling us, they got a good scheme, they got a good plan for us, we just got to stick to what we practice and what we learn. And I think we'll be on the right track and get back on the right track. For you personally, we hear that you're one of the, the main hype men on the team. Just, mm -hmm. you know, just what do you feel like you bring to the table in that aspect? You know, just keeping guys upbeat and just bringing that positive mindset to the game each day. I think um, for me, I love, the, I love the game. I love to play it. I think it's a blessing that I get to play every day. I'm living my dream, and so when I see stuff, when I see Adam Thielen make a crazy catch, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, that's baller, bro. You're helping the team. Like, it's fun to see that stuff. And I think bringing that kind of energy, it does nothing but helps everyone else. And so I love doing it, man. I love playing for this team. I love seeing other guys succeed. I think that's the fun part of uh, football is seeing guys who work for it and get that kind of success in that play, or even if it's just one play or that drive, it's really fun to see. Have you seen the guys feed off that so far throughout your career here? I think uh, guys like that. I always like when someone's a hype man for me. I like when I can be a hype man for someone else. Like, uh, it's genuine too. I'm, I'm genuinely happy for those guys, man, because I know it's hard to get any kind of yards in the league and seeing them break off for an explosive or make a great catch, I think, that's in itself is a is a good achievement and should be celebrated. And while you're living your dream, you know, you got to see your dad play in the league as well. You know, just what are some of the main lessons that, you know, he's taught you so far throughout your career and how he's helped you get to this point? I think he's taught me um, from his background is just how hard the business is. Um, it's very cutthroat. A lot of guys sometimes I feel like when they get here um, to the NFL, they think, oh, we made it like this is where I wanted to be. And then that kind of drive to make it here and uh, the thing that got him here kind of stops and I think me being raised up in a um, NFL family and seeing all that stuff is knowing that the work never stops until the day you retire that's when it really stops. Working with top overall pick Bryce Young you know just obviously still you know maturing as he makes it through his rookie year what are some of your main impressions of him so far? I think um, a lot of people can't see it but being in the NFL, you can see someone, if they're a really good quarterback, and he's one of those quarterbacks that are really good. He makes throws that regular NFL quarterbacks can't do. And so he's special, man. He's a ball player. He's confident. He gives us confidence. And I think really just we need to back him and 
know that he's going to be successful in the future, man. And one guy recently we saw you on Car Talk, obviously you and Chuba coming in the same year. Just What's that relationship been like between you guys? Because it seems like you guys have bonded very strongly so far over the course of y'all's career here in Carolina. Yeah, that's my guy, man. That's the one thing we bonded over was honestly the work that we put in. We work our butts off, and I think it almost became a competition to see who could outwork who. And that pushed us to be great every single day. It's not every other day. It's every single day we do that. And I think um, that's kind of helped us to this point to try to be the best we can. And it's fun doing it, man. When it's your guy, too, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, this might not be so fun. The Cowboys <laughs> are coming to Carolina and the defensive debacle it could pose for the Panthers. We'll talk about that coming up next here on Charlotte Sports Live. America's Game of the Week on Fox today featured Carolina's next opponent, the Dallas Cowboys. And them boys made short work of the New York Giants, a 49-17 blowout. Dallas now 6-3 and and considered by many, including, I think, Grace Girl, to be a Super Bowl contender. I asked if it was possible. Okay. That's all I asked. All right. All right. Well, after Thursday's loss to the Bears, seeing the Cowboys next on the schedule is the last thing that the Panthers need. Yeah, Carolina returns to the bank a week from today for their only game against an NFC East opponent. For a preview of that Week 11 matchup with America's team, let's send it back to Carla, Gabe, and Al. That's right, guys. Now let's look ahead to Carolina's next opponent that comes into the bank next week. And, of course, that is America's team or whatever you want to call them, the Dallas Cowboys. Al, you had a lot of history playing against those guys. Uh, what were those matchups like? Yeah, they were intense. They're a really good football uh, team. I got into the NFL late mid-90s, and uh, they had some really good players, really good championship teams. Yeah, and they're one of those teams that have fans pretty much everywhere you turn, and they travel well to try to create a home field advantage on the road. But let's break this one down a little bit more heading into Week 11 coming up next week. Now, looking at the matchup on paper, it's one that doesn't really bode well for the Panthers. One of the biggest issues has been the pass protection, or like thereof, for Bryce Young, and the O-line will have the task of containing Micah Parsons and company from getting to number nine. Parsons already with seven and a half sacks this season and 52 pass rush wins. Dallas has also not skipped a beat in their secondary, even with the loss of cornerback Trayvon Diggs. Deron Bland has stepped in and currently leads the league with three pick sixes. Certainly not a great pairing as Carolina has allowed opponents to score 59 points off turnovers this year, which is the second most in the NFL. In Dallas, they aren't messing around, folks, especially since they're still hungry to get that NFC East title. They're third in the league in points per game, third in third down conversions, eighth in touchdowns, and Dak Prescott is third in completions. And the defense is pretty stout as well. They're sixth in keeping points off the board, third in yards allowed, and seventh in yards per play. So certainly a matchup that we're looking at as one that could get out of hand quickly, but when you look, you obviously still got to play the game. You can't look on paper. What are some of the main things that the Panthers need to focus on to try to make this one competitive this week? Yeah, I think you touched on it. It is Michael Parsons. He is a game wrecker. He's a difference maker. And when he wants to turn it on and take over a football game on the defensive side of the ball, there's no one better in the league. So it's scary to look at the way this offensive line has performed and going into this game trying to protect uh, already dejected-looking Bryce Young. Yeah, you mentioned Bryce Young and his confidence. You could really tell that after this Thursday night game. How do you keep, as a coaching staff, maybe as his teammates around him, keep that confidence up? Because we did 
I mean, we're, we are seeing that hit being taken. I think he has a lot of leadership around him. Adam Thielen has been good on the field, but I think off the field and his development and understanding what it's going to be like to be a pro as a rookie on a team that's not performed well, he just needs those guys to constantly give him confirmation that he's doing the right things, that he's going to be okay. He's not the first number one overall pick to struggle. And I had a coach tell me back in the day when I was playing that it's, you know, you see your stars when it's the darkest out because obviously at nighttime, that's when you see it happen. I think... What do you want to see out of this team as far as finding an identity and being able to bounce back and just keep things together on this back half of the season? Yeah, I think it's about figuring out who you are and what they want to be on offense. And if that's going to go through Bryce, then put him at the table when the development of the game plan is happening. Let him pick out things that he's most comfortable with, that he feels this offensive line, his protection, the running game, his skill set can execute on Sundays. And I think if you can do that, this guy is smart enough. It's why you drafted him number one overall. He'll get out there. He'll figure it out. It's going to be some lumps. He's going to take his shots, but he'll grow. And the Cowboys coming to town means that we're probably going to see a lot of dark blue in the stadium. What would your message be to fans? I mean, I know it's to come out, but like it's getting to be a, a constant problem in the stadium. It's tough and it's fair for the Panthers fans to not want to show up, to not participate, to not want to see the product on the field. But hold on to those tickets. Try to douse some of that blue, get it out of the stadium. But we know what it's going to be. Still try to out cheer when we go out there in the stadium. All right, Al, we appreciate your time. And, of course, we will see how the Panthers perform next Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, guys. All right, well, some big news coming out of Bank of America Stadium earlier this week concerning the other Tepper-owned team. Charlotte FC has fired manager Christian Latanzio. They also let go of assistant head coach Andy this comes on the heels of Charlotte making its first ever playoff appearance. The team announced they will begin their coaching search right away. And as the Athletics' Tom Boger explains, their next hire could impact the success of the club in a major way. But what isn't okay is the fact that the roster was built to play a 4-4-2 and Latanzo never did that. You can't waste resources where your two highest paid players should be starting together and should be complementing each other, but the coaching staff went in a different direction in terms of the tactics, in terms of formation. So it is it is so important. It is crucial that there, there's alignment between the front office and the next coaching staff that, okay, like we see the game the same way, we have the same priorities, so that when we're investing these roster resources, it makes sense and there, there aren't redundancies because with the salary cap, again, it, it, this is normal in American sports as opposed to um, global soccer – you can't be wasteful. If you miss on two of your DPs, which Charlotte kind of this year, it is really, really difficult to compete in this league just because there's a finite amount of resources. If the coach doesn't like the center forward, he can't just say, ah, oh, whatever, go get me a new one because it doesn't work like that in this league. So it is so, so crucial that there's going to be a better alignment from the front office to the next coaching staff. Yeah, definitely was some stability there entering year three. All right, well, on this Veterans Day weekend, we're meeting a member of the Panthers who put his football career on hold for our country. Why Brett Toth made the sacrifice coming up. But first, it was the end of two streaks today for former Panther Christian McCaffrey. After 17 straight games with a touchdown, he at last did not score against the Jaguars this afternoon. However, at the end of the day, he was all smiles as his team, the 49ers, finally snapped a three-game losing streak, winning 34-3. We got more CSL on the way. Hey everyone, I am Chief Brown. I'm stationed here at Fort Liberty and my team is the Carolina Panthers. Go Panthers! 
Hi, I'm Chief Mari Diaz and I'm stationed at Fort Liberty, North Carolina, and I'm rooting for the Carolina Panthers. Go Panthers! Just a few hours removed from Veterans Day, we want to thank all of those who served and their families for their service. One member of the Carolina Panthers is part of a very special and exclusive group in the NFL. It's a group that consists of only five active players, guys whose love of their team is second only the love of their country. You won't find Veterans Day sneaking up on Brett Tote. The Carolina offensive tackle knows when it is, and more importantly, why it's celebrated. Being from a military family in which every branch of the military, Coast Guard, Air Force, Navy, Army, um, it's huge for reflection. The 27-year-old Toth is a proud American. Like his father and grandfather, he too served his country. He never went to war, but he did go to school at the United States Military Academy in West Point. Looking back, Charleston, South Carolina native admits it was a curious place to pursue his football dreams, considering there are only four other active black knights in the NFL. I said, if there's a way that I'm going to make it, I can make it from anywhere. Toth relished the challenge, and from the beginning of his time in school, he was loaded with obstacles like coaches who wanted him to prioritize football, while his army chain of command wanted him to do just the opposite. It's a very unique environment at West Point for sure, um, with both sides having their own opinion of what comes first, but <laughs> it's, it's culture building at the end of it. That is certainly one way to describe it. Life-changing would be another. Upon graduating in 2018, Toth first had to put football aside and complete his service requirements. For the good of the country, the game could wait. So I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Uh, I was an engineer officer by trade. I didn't believe like football was a reason for me to get out of my military service. It's very important to know your role, do your job. One year later, his career in the NFL would finally begin. Granted, there have been some bumps along the way, but Toth wouldn't change a thing. Besides, he says the time served had him ready for everything. Well, almost everything. I don't think I was ever prepared for a person that weighs 270 pounds running a 4-4 as a defensive end, but yeah, it, it, it creates adversity for you that you have to overcome. Toth started as an eagle, but now is a proud panther. He's learned his employer can change, but one thing that can't is his allegiance to the flag. I think you just learn a lot when you um, dedicate yourself to serving a higher purpose. It's something any veteran who understands the importance of the holiday would tell you. Against the odds, this one just happens to play football too. All right, coming up next on Charlotte Sports Live, the Charlotte men's soccer team's first season in the American Athletic Conference was one to remember. We'll tell you why just ahead. You always got a chip on your shoulder, so just a lot of people went before me. You know, I sat there, you know, it was emotional for me and my family. So now, every time I get an opportunity to take it out on somebody, I'm going to do it. And Raheem Blackshear shares the driving force behind his game, why the draft is still on his mind two years later. That's all coming up when we come back here on Charlotte Sports Live. Back on Charlotte Sports Live, you know, Grace, Raheem Blackshear's stats may not be mind-blowing, but that could be because he's not a starter and he was a healthy scratch for several weeks this season. Yeah, but if you've been watching the Panthers games, then you know that almost always he is the one that adds a spark when he is in the game. And we got to catch, catch up with him earlier this week, and uh, he told Carla Gebhardt how he's navigating his second year in the league. 
You've made a difference, whether it's uh, the yards that you're putting on the field, but certainly when you are on the field, you're making an impact right now. We saw that a little bit last season too, um, but you're making big strides. Where do you think maybe the biggest stride has come from maybe your rookie season to right now? You know, just being an older player now. So my first year, I learned a lot. So I got two older guys in front of me, you know, chewed by miles. So, you know, it's them teaching me every day. So it's just anything I can take from them, just soaking it up. When we talk about you, uh, uh, the phrase, whether it's with your teammates or your coaches, they, they talk about that, that dog in you, right? And that's something that we hear really when it comes to, to your style of play. Where, where does that come from, and is that something that you kind of hold on to when you take the field? So just being undrafted, a lot of people don't understand, like, what you really got to go to. Like, you start from the bottom. You know, I come from Philly, so we are hard-nosed people. So I don't for my family. I want to make sure I can show my nephew that anything is possible. You can make it out of any situation you put yourself and put your mind to, you can make it out. Last year, you kind of said something similar. Is that something that you're still really thinking about when you're on the field, the fact that you did go undrafted? Absolutely. You always got to have a chip on your shoulder. So just a lot of people went before me. You know, I sat there. You know, it was emotional for me and my family. So now, every time I get an opportunity to take it out on somebody, I'm going to do it. We're noticing you're getting more touches, touches in the run game specifically, but certainly the special teams is you're making a really big impact there. What's kind of your goal with special teams right now? I want to go all pro. So I always talk to Taves about it. So he keep telling me to keep going. Show me that you want to be the best. And I keep showing him I want to be the best player on the field. And Coach Tabor was very excited in one of your returns just last game against the Colts. He was jumping up and down. Uh, just awesome to see that emotion out of that coach. Uh, what's that like for you to come to the sideline and have someone be so proud of, of the play that you just made? It's a great moment right there. You know, just to see your coaches get excited, see your teammates and players get excited from whatever you do. So I just want to be that spark to the team. I always tell them I'm going to try to bust it out every time I get it. You mentioned being behind Sanders and then, of course, Chuba last year. You really got to know Chuba a little bit more. Of course, Foreman was in there. But how is it different being in the league when your room changes from year to year so much and that you know doesn't necessarily happen in college? So we got a brotherhood. So whoever, whoever comes to the brotherhood, we're going to welcome them in open arms. So, you know, when Miles coming in this year, he's a great guy. You know, he jokes around with us. And just having the energy that we, me and Chuba have with him, it's just like we all got a brotherhood going on in our room. Who has the biggest personality? The biggest personality in our room, you would be surprised, it is Miles. So Miles is a really exciting guy. He comes <laughs> in real happy, and Chuba feeds off it, I feeds off it, and Deuce, you know, always crack jokes with us. So it's like our own little family in the room. And, and Miles said just recently, I think, to JJ that he believes that there are aliens in the league. Is this something <laughs> that you adhere to? <laughs> Whatever going on with Miles, you know, you just got to let him be sometimes. So, so do you believe in that? Do you think... I mean, you got some freak athletes in like the the league, but um, elegance, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's not really my thing. Since being a Carolina Panther, so many things have happened just the last two years that you've been here. What does it mean to you now that you are in your second year in the league to to be a Carolina Panther? I mean, this is absolutely a blessing. Like, it's this right here is a family right here. You know, we got the coaching staff. We're a young team. We all know that, but just us being a family, I love to just keep pounding the mentality. I love the fans. And it just don't get no better than this. And the legends were here just a couple of weeks ago. Who do you really kind of gravitate toward when it comes to former Panthers players? I love Steve Smith. You know, I love watching everything he put out. You know, watching his film when he was playing back in the day. Just had that dog mentality. And that's just something I want to bring to my game. All right, well, Rob Gronkowski made a career scoring leaping touchdowns, but he never had one quite like this. During Fox's NFL pregame show, the former NFL tight end successfully touched down 
after jumping out of an airplane 11,000 feet in the air. Afterwards, the four-time Super Bowl champ cried tears of joy, saying skydiving was one of the best experiences of his life. Crazy man. We're back with our QC crowns. All right, back here on Charlotte Sports Live, ending our night like we always do with some QC crowns. And Mike, you are up first. I feel like I wrote this yesterday, but my crowns and I, I've had to forget what it was. It's Charlotte Soccer. How about this? In their first year in the American Athletic Conference, they went out and won the league title, beating SMU in the final 2-1. The Niners headed to the NCAA tournament. They'll find out all the details and who they're playing and where they're playing tomorrow, and you'll find out by watching. PSL later. That's exciting. Great yeah. showing from them first season in their new conference. Love that. All right, my uh, my crown tonight going to former UNC quarterback Sam Howell. He balled out today for Washington, throwing for 312 yards and three touchdowns. Almost led the Commanders to a comeback, but the Seahawks would win with a walk-off field goal. Howell currently the NFL passing leader this season with 2,783 yards and is tied for third most in the league for touchdowns having thrown for 17 of them already this season. So we've got a big week coming up here on Charlotte Sports Lab. Hornets in-season tournament game. First one at home is Tuesday. Panthers gearing up for the game against the Cowboys. We're going to hear from Frank Reich tomorrow. It's going to be a full week yes. preparing for Dallas. But that's going to do it for us tonight. For Mike Lissette and the rest of our crew, I'm Grace Grill. Have a good night, everybody.